0: On this episode of the After the Timeout Podcast, in partnership with the Illinois Basketball Coaches Association, we welcome Nick Nohaw, head girls basketball coach at State Champion O'Fallon High School. We talked to Coach Nohoff about winning the state championship, current trends in coaching, and taking the program to the next level. As always, thank you for listening to the After the Timeout Podcast. All right, coach, we start every episode with the opening tip. Uh, it's not often we get a state championship coach on. on. So I, we just wanted you to tell us a little bit, you know, for, for people who don't know uh, about about your program, about the, the year you had. Obviously, it was a tremendous year. Uh, you know, maybe people haven't followed you as closely the ups and downs. And then, uh, you know, kind of just what we should know about you guys. And then, and also kind of uh, your journey, how you ended how you end up getting there and, and
1: where, you, where you've been and all the things that have gone into Big coach. Because- sure. Um, I'll begin with my journey. Um, my dad was always a basketball coach growing up, and I remember just always being in the gymnasium ever since I was little. Um, he coached for 20 years. Um, he did a junior high here in Belleville called West Junior High for like 16 years, um, and then he went on to the high school level where he did freshman at Belleville East, And then he was Greg Leib's varsity assistant over at Altoff Catholic High School for a couple of years. So um, I've always been around basketball. um, That kind of led me to want to become an educator, um, knowing that I wanted to be in the coaching realm as well. Um, So I graduated from McKendree University, um, got a job at my alma mater where I went to grade school. I'm actually um, I taught 14 years of science and now I'm in my first year of physical education at Wolf Branch Middle School. I've been the athletic director there for 10 years. So I began my coaching experience at the junior high level for the first eight years. Um, and then I finally got the opportunity to uh, coach at the high school level with Altoff. I got my first coaching job, girls at Altoff for two years. And then this position opened up over at O'Fallon. Um, and I've been there for the last six years. Um, I didn't always envision myself coaching girls. Um But the type of culture and the program that we've built, it'd be quite hard to convince me to leave to go to the boys' side right at this point. Um, For our program, um, you know, I had six seniors this year. They've been with me the last four years. Um, When I took over, I think they had four winning seasons in the last 12 years. And I just came in with a mindset of challenging the girls, coming up with short-term goals. You know, maybe the first year we just try to get to 20 games, win 20 games. Um, and then the next year, you know, maybe win a regional and just kind of build off of the years previous. And it's just seemed to work out so far really well for us. Um, two of the girls I'd like to point out right now for our team that some people may not know. We had two division one athletes. Uh, Shannon Dow is going to Illinois state university. Um, she is as good as she is on the court. She's just a better person off the court. She's got great parents. She's great in the classroom. She's a great leader. She's a great kid. Um, So she actually ended up this year scoring 822 points her senior year, which is a career single season record at O'Fallon. And then she broke the all-time school record, um, surpassing Etisha Riddle, who went on to play at University of Missouri back in 2003. Um, And then Jayla Pelley, my point guard, uh, she's going to Indiana State University. um, And her her. If you saw any part of her game, um, she might be the most athletic guard in the entire state of Illinois. And she just has the ability to get to the rim. So overall though, you know, we were very deep. Um, I've got a lot of girls that are returning for next year. We just kind of built that mentality that um, the harder you work and practice, the more opportunities you get. And we really focus on defensively that you can get on the court if you can play defense. So throughout this season, I really loaded up our schedule with some talent. Um, I think we played six teams that made it to the final four in Missouri and Illinois. Um, And I just think that we were ready for that prime time just because we were already used to those situations throughout the entire part of the season.
2: So we want to get into a little bit, you kind of alluded to it in your, your answer there, but the last regional before you took over was in uh, 2007. Since you, since you took over, there's been four regionals, a sectional, and now a state title in the six years, I believe you've been the head coach. Yes. Um. So what do you think led to the postseason success kind of so quickly from 2007, you know, to now? Um. Obviously, that's a, a lot of winning really quickly.
1: I'm just very honest with my athletes. Um, And I tell them their roles and the the sooner that you can get them to buy into that, uh, the better teammates they're going to be and understanding what you're wanting to do on the court. You know, I can't I can't have five girls that take 15, 20 shots a game. I can't have five girls that are going to score 20 points a game. Um, The more that you are brutally honest with them the more that you can tell them, hey, this is what I foresee you doing. I would like you to guard the other team's best player, not worry about your shot selection. Hey, I would really appreciate if you took care of the ball and you're the second or third guard off the bench and you're just coming in those spot minutes where we may be in foul trouble or we need to get a break. I just personally, when I first took over, was just challenging the girls as well and just wanting to compete. You know, it's been Edwardsville's conference for the last decade, you know, why can't we compete with them? Why, why are we struggling when we're just as big of a school as they are? What, what's the factor here? Um, and once we got over the fear factor of seeing Edwardsville across the jerseys, um, things started to change a little bit.
2: So how do you take those conversations? Because I think every coach wants to be honest with their athletes, but how do you take those conversations from coach told me that I'm going to guard the best player. Don't worry about my shot. How do you take that and make sure in their head, they're not saying coach told me I can't shoot because I'm really bad at shooting.
1: <laughs> that, that, that's a good point. Um, I'm not really sure how I've been able to do that, Um, but I've for over the years that I've been there, um, girls just have bought into it. And I just think that they see it in real time, though, by us being successful. You know, if they're only getting three shots a game and they're they're shooting when they're open. Um, the, when you're winning, uh, things can just kind of fall into place um, because they can just see that the end result it doesn't matter who gets the accolades. And as long as you're cheering on everybody else, you know, and I make it a big point of my bench. Um, I just actually posted a, a picture on Twitter recently um, I'm a big proponent of bench energy and how the girls are acting when they come off the floor and how they are on the bench. Are they engaged in the game? Are they paying attention? You know, if I were to put call your name, do you know exactly what's going on in the game? And we've talked through all those type of discussions and those scenarios. Um, and even all you're just the 16th, 15th girls just as important as your leading scorer, in my opinion, on how the team chemistry is of your team. so
0: uh I wanted to talk like the i guess we' we'll call it the anatomy of a, a, a state playoff run, right um yeah. you know because every level creates different challenges um you know and keeping your team focused and, and calming nerves right because you know every time you go up it, it's something it's something new um so i guess how did you kind of prepare at each at each step right obviously you know your first round game you won pretty handily but then Second round, you had a, you had a really nail biter, nail biter game, right? And then yeah, you know, once you get past that, you know, looking at your your play, you're playing darn good teams. Like you did yes. you weren't playing any anybody that, oh, maybe, you know, this or that. Um, so how did you prepare for that, right? And then, you know, how did you kind of help your team overcome those new steps and stay calm and, and you know, not have those as many butterflies as, you know, they normally would.
1: Yeah. Um, for anyone that doesn't know, you know, Alton was fantastic this year. They're they're young, they return everybody. At one point they were 24 and Um, we kind of felt like they took our spotlight because this was supposed to be our year, and all the talk down here was about them. Um, rightfully so, when you start off 24 in, and in 4A basketball. Um, once we got past them and beat the game their first loss on our home floor. Um, we just knew that we could do it because previously they'd beat me twice, uh, by four points. And by one point, um, when we got past them in the sectional semifinal, um, I told them you just can't be complacent and happy that this is what you just did. I mean, we, three years ago, um, I played, I beat Edwardsville and that was like our state championship to us. It was like one of the first times we'd ever beat them. We were just happy to be in the sectional final against Lincoln Way West, who obviously went on to win second in state that year. And we were just like, everything here is just fine and dandy. This year, we were like, yeah, we knew we should be here. We knew we were able to do it. Let's just not be complacent of that. that We beat Alton. Let's see how far we can actually go. Um, And when we ended up beating Normal and Bolingbrook um, the next day at practice, My mindset was, we're not going to do anything different. It is just another game on a bigger stage. I'm not going to coach any differently. We're not going to run a practice differently. We're not going to do anything out of the ordinary that's going to throw you off just because it's the state tournament. And we sat down and we did everything that we've normally done. You know, We spend the first 30 to 45 minutes breaking down game film. We talk about our matchups. We talk about what we're going to do offensively. What are they going to do if they switch something up defensively on us? And then you just go to practice and you work on those things like every other day. Um, And then you just move on to the next day. You know, the teams that we played uh, were were state ranked teams, but I felt like, you know, a lot of, a lot of those votes and stuff didn't give us the recognition. We knew we were just as good, if not better. Um, So we didn't play into that too much. Um, And once we got past Alton, um, it almost not didn't get easier, but I like the fact that we're playing teams that don't know anything about us because, our regionals technically our conference championship. If you, per se we play each other three times, we know each other so well that once we get past that, you know, Lori Blade had been texting me from Arizona. It almost gets easier because they all they don't know anything about you. you know, they can just see you on film, but they can't um, replicate your speed and your athleticism and practices.
0: So I want to follow you. Let in perfectly with that. Yeah, I want. I want to flip it for you because right. You I mean you you played some teams and you you kind of go, but at the same time, it's not a team like you know Alton where you've seen over and over and you know exactly what they're gonna do, we're gonna do it. Um, so how do you kind of go about that process of preparing as a as a coaching staff, right? Because you don't want to yeah. give your kids too much,
2: right? right? But right.
0: you but you always have to have something in your back pocket. Hey, they might do this. I saw this on film. How are we if they do this could give us a problem? How are we going to help our girls adjust to it? So, how did you go about preparing each step?
1: Yeah, for at, sure. Kind of um, after that
0: Alton, Alton game,
1: it's it's challenging, you know, because the only thing you can get is game film on Huddle, or you go on an FHS and watch some game films that are that are on there from gymnasiums that had that camera. Um, it it you're like it's a double edged sword. So you could see them on film, but it doesn't necessarily tell exactly how good they really are when you when you match up. Um, just just like any any season, at the end of the season, you're gonna be playing the best basketball. You got to be not only good, but you also got to be lucky. Uh, there were many instances where we got lucky, where the ball went our way, and we were able to advance. You know, so preparing for these teams, when I got to the state tournament, I mean, how do you not know Katie Idol, and how do you know not, know not Beaumont? You know, so we knew that for the, us to beat them, we had to slow them down somehow, and I thought that I put Malia Robertson on both of them, and her only job was to face guard the entire game, do not leave, do not help somebody else is going to have to make some shots to beat us um, at that stage. And so that's the way we went into it. I thought for sure more so when the season teams were going to start to go maybe boxing one on Shannon and we had worked on that, but it had been like three weeks prior that when, Benet came out in that in set in second half. Um, it threw us for a loop quite a bit. You know, we got standing around and like, uh oh, Shannon just can't do what she wants to right now. Somebody else is going to have to step up and make shots. So that was just uh, a thing that they did to us that did disrupt us quite a bit um, there in the second half. But thankfully that we were able to overcome it.
0: Yeah, we uh we we know the the feeling of preparing for Beaumont and Katie Idol. Me and John are. Very well aware well, of, that, welcome, of that problem. Welcome to
2: the You're North Super yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so just just as an interesting thing, you know, you you you've won regionals prior to this year, and and I can relate to this, um, which is kind of why I'm I'm going with this question. But you know, take us through what your team needed to do to get to those next steps to win the sectional, to win the super. You know, steps that you had never accomplished before. Um, you know. What was kind of your mindset? I know you kind of talked about it a little bit, but, you know, I, I also saw that picture. I think it was after your sectional championship with you and the plaque. You were very excited. Yeah, I was. Um, so kind of th- those next steps from from winning regionals to winning the the uh, steps after that.
1: Yeah. And that picture has a funny story too, though, because uh, our volleyball coach uh, had taken that picture in the fall. I think it was their first sectional title. And she took a picture that excited, so I was just mimicking her, and uh, it was—it's like a great tradition now. I think that we're gonna have, um, but yeah, the next step, how you're able to to accomplish that is just—I think my team had complete buy-in. Like I—I I, I honestly, if I can just take myself out of this and put it on my girls, it was their time, and I think they knew it, and they were just so internally motivated to continue this run. Shannon was on a, on a mission this year. She lost half her season for COVID. She wanted the all time scoring record. She wanted to get to the state finals in her last year to play on the floor that she's going to play off play in college. And we really played that up. And the other girls were just so appreciative and wanting that for her, that they just started to play for each other. Like, I can't tell you, I've never had a season um, like I did with this one where, you know, I, I didn't really have, I didn't have a player coach meeting. I didn't have a parent coach meeting. I, everyone just kind of gelled and everyone just was doing their part in this entire journey. Um, it, it It's one of those seasons that you're going to look back on, like, man, as a coach, you're never going to get this again. Um, it was that well run throughout the entire season. You know, the only slip up I think we had with, with us challenging ourselves with our schedule Um was it the modern day or the Oakville game in the Highland tournament? We had lost by five. Um, Josie Christopher wasn't there that game, who's a zone breaker, um, shooting for three. And I just saw us, uh, we we were we were arguing with each other on the court. We were getting mad. Um, we were we were it just wasn't our feel. And right then is when we had a turning point and we got back on track, you know, with modern day the next game. And I think we got scored twenty nine to nothing in the second half. And from that point on in January to the end of the season, uh, we really flipped a switch. Um, and it was awesome to see. So um, let's talk about
0: like sustaining it, right? You got You got you a state championship, right? Um, and you've had a lot of success. I think you're 150 and 32 in your time there. Okay, so that's, that's really good. But, you know, every year is different, right? Um, how do you kind of fight against... That, that complacency of, oh, okay, well, we're going to, you know, this,
1: this is going to happen again,
0: right? And, you know, how do you celebrate what you've done but also continue to push your players and, and coaches to, to, to do more?
1: Yeah, um, I think our younger classmen, um, it was great to see them get a taste of that and the success that we've had. Um But you you can't, you can't ever be complacent. You cannot just be settled for, Oh, we did it. We did it once. And then, and then nothing again, you got to always continue to work obviously for the ultimate goal every season, no matter, no matter who's there, you know, I've graduated some really good players um, who I thought like, man, what am I going to do when she's gone? What am I going to do with her gone? And now Shannon and and Jayla and my seniors are leaving. I'm like, what am I going to do next? You just become a different team. You just win different ways. Um, You know, my JV team was 11-0 in conference this past season, um, and they practiced against the best every day. And you flip side of that, our starters had to practice against our JV team every day who pushed them that hard every day in practice. Like, our practices are super competitive. I can mix and match uh, teams, and I just kind of let them compete. And it's great to see sometimes because at the end of the day they're best friends. But I love that type of practices where – this team loses and it might have two varsity players versus the other four varsity players. I just do that to see, you know, how they act. And like, no coach, let's run it back. Um, Being able to do that in my practices is a luxury. I'm blessed to have as much talent as I do. Um, And I think that going forward, you know, we're not going to take a step back next year. We are going to work even harder. And I think that we have a very good chance to still be really, really competitive next year.
2: So just a quick follow, you know, how do you combat the outside noise? Because the outside noise in 2023 is only growing with social media and parents and fans and, um, not as much up here, but maybe possibly in other areas, a lot of, um, like media following and media comments and all tournament teams and, and this award and that award, how do you kind of combat against uh, probably more than ever with a state championship, all the outside noise? For sure.
1: You know, I, you, we, as coaches hear it all, you know, we, we hear the grumblings in the stands. We hear there's always 350 coaches in the stands watching your games. Um, I, I always try to put it in perspective of are you doing what's right for your team and the best for your team? And if you are, you always will be fine. I, whatever, no matter what anyone says, as long as you are doing what you feel is right and you're treating everyone fairly and you're honest and you're showing good character and respect to your players, then you're doing it right. There's always going to be people, you cannot make a hundred percent of people happy. Um, so as long as you're doing what you need to get done, yeah, it it it's not very uh you don't want to see that type of stuff written on social media or talked about, but you know, everybody has different coaching philosophies, everybody's different coaching styles. And and one of the things I like to say too is we us as coaches, we're humans too. Our sport is so fast-paced that we make a wrong decision, um, it, it could be magnified a little bit. It's not like where we have time to do like a double switch in baseball, okay? If we make a rash decision to call a player, we change defenses and it doesn't work, then it falls back on us. But that's part of the human aspect of the game. And I just think in today's 2023, it has really gotten out of hand with the, the social media aspect and and then and parents and, and just always wanting – Entitlement of my kid, my kid, my kid, and not looking at the overall team aspect.
0: So I want to go into a, a segment we call halftime adjustments. I want to talk to you about the end of the, end of the first half of your state championship game. Okay, yeah. uh, you kind of, you kind of got the ball out there and said, "Hey, we're we're gonna we're gonna wait a little bit, right?" Um, I I think I know what you were thinking. I was thinking this in my head. I think I know what you were thinking, but kind of. What was the 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 reasoning behind that? What were you trying to uh, trying to accomplish? Because um, you'd start off well, and then you kind of had a little lull there. And um, so, what what was your thinking with your coaching staff of, hey, we're going to do this? And what were you what was the result you were trying to get?
1: I had absolutely zero intention of holding the basketball there that long in the first quarter. <clears throat> we got out to a great lead, um, and then Pelly had two turnovers in a row, back to back, against that zone. And it was inside the three-point line, just forcing passes to trying to get it to Shannon. And they scored two, four quick points. And it was 12 to four. And I just was obviously just trying to see what he would do. um, If he would extend it a little bit to help us get the ball to the high post to Shannon or, or more to the wing and kind of playing a mind game there. And when he said, stay in, I uh I just went with it and said, fine, you stay in. I'm winning a state championship game by eight. I can go into the second quarter up eight or more. Um, and we ran a set play there where it's like a little misdirection and you flash to the middle of the lane and throw it back out to the wing, and Josie hit that shot to put us up eleven. It was huge. Um, and it was just so good for our momentum. Um, then started them hitting some shots, and then you know, to end the first half. Uh, Pelly got fouled and missed a front end of a one-on-one and then she threw it over the top of their zone and Demija missed a, a bunny uh, layup you know we could have been up 11 um, but then we went into halftime up seven so the adjustments were what are we going to do the second half do we need to pick up our defensive pressure a little bit because we like to play fast we want to outscore teams uh, defensively we can create a lot of havoc and our our style of play is not to play against, like, a little 2-3 zone like that. Like, that is not our go-to. We like to spread teams out. Um, and they knew that they couldn't really match up with us athletically. And, and man, you know, um, Hershey tried to. Um, and we were able to run some great sets and get some easy buckets. Um, but his switch at halftime, his halftime adjustment was fantastic. You know, let's stop Shannon and see if these other girls can make some big-time shots. And, thankfully, you know, Jay LaPelly stepped up.
2: So, uh, just to start the second half of this show, we we kind of wanted to talk about you had an experience with Ernie Johnson, yes, um with speaking to your team. So just kind of talk to our listeners about maybe how that came to be, um and then kind of what that experience kind of taught you and your team. So every uh, beginning of the season, we come up with a theme. Um, my
1: seniors usually come up with them. So this year, um, my seniors came up with hashtag move as one with a little chain link and we tweeted it out after every game, used it all the time. Um, we were gonna play together as one, we were gonna do everything as one team, and we were gonna do it for each other. Well, two years ago or last uh the previous season, um, I always find a video, motivational video. First day of practice, we sit in the classroom, we sit down, we talk about our goals as a team. And I showed this video and I showed them the Ernie Johnson uh, video of him talking to Alabama football team about his son. And, and then the the symbol that his son would give the, I love you symbol. And just talking to the kids, like, it's not that you got to do it. You get to do this. You get to play with your, your best friends. So that was our theme that year. And we, we always tweeted this out. And then we started to break every huddle with this. And we broke in the huddle with that sign probably for the last two or three years. Um, so a parent had taken some fantastic photos of our of our huddle doing that, and I, I just DM'd Ernie Johnson on Twitter, and I sent him two pictures. I said, "Hey Ernie, I just wanted to share this story with you. You know, we were so inspired by your son. Um, our condolences and prayers to you as as is passing because I think he had just passed like three weeks to a month before that in 2021." Um, I just said his your son's message is still going, making its rounds. Um, And it's made its way here all the way to O'Fallon High School. And like two days later, uh, he messaged me back and was just so appreciative, um, him and his wife. And he said, I would like to Zoom call your team and surprise them before a game. So I had that set up and all my kids were in the classroom not knowing what was going on. And then Ernie Johnson popped up from his kitchen in his house. And spoke to our girls and just gave them his own personal message, um, which was just so cool to see and for them to be able to experience that. And, and just a, what a genuine guy to take the time out to do that to a girls high school basketball team, um, just showing that his son had just touched so many lives, not only at his high school, but around him still sharing his message. Um, And then I actually DM'd Ernie Johnson three weeks ago to let him know that we won a state championship this year. And he was just, he he wrote me back and said, that's, that's amazing. So um, just little things like that. I do try to find before the season begins. It's like, what is our theme going to be for our season?
0: That's, that's a really, that's really cool. Um, You know, cause I think a lot of times it's basketball, 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 but in reality it's game, right? And everybody yeah. has stuff that's going on with their family and that's, that's Absolutely. so cool. That's so cool. So I wanted to transition to you a little bit and your mindset like before the state title game, right? Uh, There's a lot of things you can be thinking. You're out there, your music's bumping, your kids are going. Um, So kind of what were your thoughts before the game? What's going, what's going through your head? Obviously, you know, you, you're like we're prepared, but ready, but at the same time, it's the state title game. Right. Uh, And then kind of, maybe your first thought like, like after the game, is it like, Whew, you know, like how, how does it, how does it go? I mean, I, you know, just take us to your
1: mindset a little. To be able to experience that it's hard to put into words. Um, when we first got up there and the first tip in the Hershey game, you know, I just told the, the kids on the bench, I go, stop, look around, just take it all in. Like, look at where you're at. Never forget this moment. And now that we're here, let's finish it out the right way. Um, And then after we had won the state title game, I mean, I was honestly in just disbelief. Um, I knew we could do it. I knew we were good enough to do it. But being able to accomplish that goal is just a once in a lifetime opportunity. Um, And it was just overall a tremendous joy um, and elation that it's hard to put into words. Um, Just the amount of pride I have and, and how proud I am. Uh, of my athletes was just over the top
0: you mean your first thought wasn't to go all muscleman and jump on the table
1: <laughs> i should yeah i should have jumped on the table took my shirt off whipped it around, <laughs> you know um i do show a lot of emotion sometimes too uh, but not to that extent
2: <laughs> i can see the story the next day oh Fallon, coach let go yeah. after moving shirt um all right, so we, we kind of want to turn this a little bit and and kind of t- just talk about the state as a whole, because I think this is a great opportunity for Todd and I to speak to somebody, and, and we've had guests from um, Geneseo in the middle of the state and the western part and the eastern part and, and the southern part, but um, are there things, I want you to specifically think about the southern part of the state, are there things in the southern part of the state that need to happen to continue to grow the game of basketball in Illinois, and then, well, we'll, we'll start there because I do have a second part. But are, are there things in the southern half that you guys need to grow the game? Us being <clears throat> so close to St. Louis and there's teams over in
1: Missouri, uh, basketball down here is very good in the Southwestern Conference. Um, and we're a 4A team amongst some of these other schools that are 2A or 3A, and there's some very good basketball there. And it's just different style of play. Um, and it's fun to play against that. As far as growing the game, I I don't know how to – as far as getting to the state tournament or postseason, we're just so far out of other 4A schools, that I'm not sure there's another way to do it. The only change that I would like to see is in our subsectional, we break up into two eights, subsectionals, rather than seeding it one through 16. So like us in Alton or us in Edwardsville previous years, have had to play in a, in a semifinal game, which could easily be a sectional final game um, if it's seeded correctly. But they do it based on travel, so we would always play at a neutral site where the other s- sectional team would be playing three or four hours away, and that also you you don't have that personal feel of watching that team after you or before you in person um, at a sectional game. You know, so I don't know how there's another way to do it. Um, but I, I just wish we, I've said it, Lori Blade has said, it, like, if we can just seed at one through 16, I wouldn't mind traveling three hours to play a team that doesn't know me to advance one more game and then possibly play like an Edwardsville or an Alton or whatever team in a sectional final, like it should be. Um, but they do it based on, on travel and, and then you get stuck playing two different locations and you don't have that ability to scout in person technically. So um, that's the only thing that I would, that I just don't like about the way we
2: do things. So as an interesting follow-up, and Todd and I have recently had this conversation with a few coaches, um, do you think that it would behoove the basketball playoffs to be more like the football playoffs where everyone does not make it and you seed each sectional, like you said, one through 12, one through 16, however you want to do it. Would that, do you think that would create uh, better games? Do you think it would create a more geographically diverse breakdown of your sectional? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I don't
1: know. I'd have to see it in paper and kind of how it's laid out. Um, football has eight classes, you know, mm-hmm. basketball only has four. So I'd act, I don't know how, um, what would be the the cutoff of you not making the playoffs versus making the playoffs um, what, what is it in football? You have to win at least five or six games. Yeah. I think it's five, you know, well, then people will start pat, I don't know if people will start padding their schedule just to get the wins to do it. You know, is it, do, do they have to win a, a conference championship? Do we have that at the end of the season? Does every conference have that? What if they're an independent school? Like there's just a lot of variables that go into that. It'd be very interesting. Um, as, because, you know, when Belleville West and East side, A boys, in the same year um i just hate that sometimes only one four a school from the south basically from our region ever gets an opportunity to make it to a state title win there's been years where us and Edwardsville are just as good as any team that could be up there or alton who got knocked out in a semifinal game is probably one of the top four teams in the state you know and, and that's just the way it works though that's everywhere you know, it's just the way it matches up. So there's not a right answer or wrong answers. It's just the way it is right now.
2: And then my follow-up, something else we've been talking to a lot of coaches lately about is just the number of coaches that are leaving the profession so quickly. So you've now been a head coach for six years. Um, so this is probably a, a good time to to start to ask you this question, but I'm sure you've noticed throughout the state, there is every year now, 20 to 30 consistently openings between boys and girls, maybe more. Um, you know, so how do we continue to encourage one young coaches to join the profession, and two, encourage people to stay in the profession after being coaches for only a few years?
1: It's hard. It, it's a hard lifestyle for not a lot of pay. You know, if you really pour your heart and soul into it, you're you're basically working year round, preparing your program. Um. I'm at that stage now where my kids are six and four and they're going to be starting to, to get into sports themselves and and traveling and, and taking them to things. So, you know, I'm now starting to contemplate, you know, how many more years do I have? Um, and I'm only 39. You know, I would love to do it till 20 more years till I retire. I just don't know if that's the case. Um, each scenario is different, but there's a lot of pressure from school board uh, administration, and parents just if things things don't go in their way or they're not happy that they can run coaches out or coaches are just tired of people second-guessing them. Um, I, I would hope that the younger generation, they get into it. It's a great profession. You change so many lives. Um, it's fantastic to just be with the kids every single day and just seeing how hard they work for, for a single goal. Um, I don't see myself leaving anytime soon, um, but you're right. It's a revolving door where how do we get, you know, even in high schools these days, most of the coaching staff's not even on staff at the school. It's, it's people outside of the district, you know, where, where are all the coaches that are in our schools as well, that are there with the kids all day long to make those connections. They're just, it's just not there anymore. So all right, we're going to go another big
0: basketball kind of theory here. Um, a current trend that is big in coaching that maybe you don't necessarily agree with or think should be different and then maybe
1: something that's not as trendy right now that you still do I would I personally would like to see the half semicircle under the rim for a charge block um I just think that's an easy fix uh, to paint it on the floor to just give our officials another um, opportunity to make the correct call with a visual, portion of it on the floor. Um, They have it in high, in, in college and NBA. It just thinks that it's such a subjective call that that would only help them. Like if they're standing on it, it's, it's a block, you know, if you're outside of it and they're still that it just helps them officiate the game better. So I would love to see that. I am, I am on the fence for shot clock. I mean, I see both sides completely. I actually won a game this year against Cardinal Ritter because we implemented the shot clock in, in tournaments. When I played him at the Bank of Fallon shootout, we missed a shot. We were down one with 49 seconds to go. And we we were able to let it play out um, because we were going to get the ball back, make or miss. Um, and they ended up turning it over and we scored um, with an and one and we won the game. Otherwise we're Fallon there and we're sending them the free throw line and possibly sealing the game away. Um, down here in the South, you know, you got Pinckneyville, you got Nashville. You got Mike Waldo, who was at Edwardsville. The ability for those teams to hang with some teams is their ability to just pass and cut and hold the ball and just control the clock. Um, it's neat basketball to watch sometimes. Um, yeah, there's people against it and how how boring it can be, but if it's done the right way, it's very good basketball. Um, but it's never going away at the upper levels. So I I, I see why and why it's needed um, because I do think that it would help the game and and teach kids, you know, um, more possessions and that you just can't play not to lose, but you can play to win and continue to score. Um, But I, I don't care either way if it does get implemented or not. Um, But I see both sides and both arguments.
2: So, Last thing we want to, before we hit our last two segments. So now you sit down to plan your off season. So how do you start to figure out what you need to do for next year? Um, maybe kind of like, what are your goals for your off season for your program? And then how do you get the players to buy into that? Well, since I've been there for the last six years, I've, I get pretty much
1: a hundred percent commitment for the month of June for our 30 contact days. Um, I put together an entire schedule, which I've already sent out to the girls. Um, we're going to have our banquet here in the next couple of weeks. We are waiting for all the awards uh, to get made and things like that. Um, But I've already sent out, I'm already in five or six shootouts in the month of June. Um, We've got our open gym set. Um, when AAU takes a break in, in April, May, and they pick back up in July. I mean, my girls are known to, that it is an expectation for them to be there for me. And over the last six years, I've had zero problems of girls committing to the program and being there. Um, you know, I have coaches come to open gyms, um, from colleges and they're like, wow, the turnout we get is like 24 to 30 girls at open gyms. And they go, we go to some of these other schools and there's like nine girls at their open gyms. Um, we are just able to continue to produce, um, quality, uh, athletes, um our junior highs are fantastic that feed into my school um not necessarily basketball players to begin with but they're just athletes in general and play multi sports and they just love being a part of this program being a part of this team um and so that starts in the summer i mean you've got to get them in there early and i have always been a big proponent of my seniors taking in the freshmen and making them feel part of the team right away so that's one of our that's what we do over the summer is kind of Let's bring those new girls in. Let's let's meet them right now in the in the summertime. By the time they even start in August, they already know a couple of girls in the in the building as well.
0: All right. So last two segments here. We're going to start with 30-second timeout. Your chance to dis- discuss any subject you want, um, your family, your program, something you want our listeners something that's important to you. Pretty much anything you want, flip it on us. Doesn't doesn't really matter. It's it's your dime, your dance floor. Uh, I'm not going to give you the uh, first whistle, first horn, and second horn. You
1: can you can go as long, as much time as you need. Uh, so my question is, actually, I'm, I'm not sure where you guys coach at and what high schools you guys are at. So that's that was my question to you guys.
2: Go ahead, go ahead college John. coach.
0: Oh, well, I was at St. Vitor uh, in Ienton Heights for, for eight years, and then this year I was at uh, Benedictine University in Lyle, D3, three up here. So a little, little bit different, but same area recruiting a lot of the same, same kids, and um, but yeah, I was at the high school level for for eight years at, at Saint Viator. So, uh,
2: and then I'm actually the head basketball coach at Resurrection College Prep, um, which is in the north side of the city. Um, and before that, I was actually at Saint Viator as well, um, with Todd. And uh, before that, I was at Dominican University in River Forest, but this will be a year eight for me at resurrection in the city. So
1: I was going to bring up an interesting topic um, and I just kind of want to see your thoughts on this too. What are your thoughts on, and people post it on social media all the time, having a different state championship for private schools versus public schools? You know, it's starting to become a huge debate these days. um, And they say that private schools recruit, or they are able to get athletes that they want? But I just like to hear other coaches' opinions on on topics like that as well. I don't know. I, I think
0: that's probably probably hard 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 to pull off for sure. You know, I mean, I, I I would think at least in the in the private school area, the 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 numbers probably wouldn't be tremendous in each bracket. You probably have to mess with the, the divisions, right? You know, you couldn't have the same four classes. I wouldn't think. I don't know if there'd be I mean, I don't, I don't know. I've never done a count, but I don't know if there'd be enough teams overall, True. True. Um, you know, and let, let, let's be honest. I mean, we're up, we're up here. And I'm I'm sure it happens down here. It's not like there isn't necessarily schools grabbing kids either from public schools and stuff like that. I'm, you know, that, that, that's going on. I, I just think it'd be hard to, to pull off and, you know, I, I don't know. I've never minded. I mean, it, it is, it kind of is what it is. Um, yeah, you do have a little bit of an advantage, but there's also some downfalls that go with that too of being able to try to try to get kids in. So
1: absolutely, you know, or to make them play together and mesh together. You know, you got right. promises to some of these kids coming in, and then it can just blow up in your face.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, you know, I don't know, and I, I think some of the schools that are traditionally there are, you know, going to be good basketball schools either way, just by the area they're in, and 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 population they're going to pull you know if a kid doesn't want to go to a, a public school necessarily whatever is religious or you know whatever reasons you go to go to a private school i i think i think some of those schools will still be good even you know even out, out your way in out west those schools are consistently good good yeah. despite yep. you know despite who, the, who they get so um you know i i don't know i don't like i think like you i don't I wouldn't either way i could see it but doesn't really not really uh Super hot topic
2: for me. Sure. I think I would just add, you know, I, I think first, if if private schools do it correctly, I think sometimes it may be harder to get athletes. For example, not everyone can pay 15 grand to go to school. So I think if if private schools are doing it correctly, and sometimes kids can't afford that, you know, there's, there's kids I would really like to have that go to my school, but they just simply can't afford it. I think also one thing to think about, and, and something to build off of what Todd said, I think there's some public schools that are going to be great every year, no matter what, based on size, based on location, based on. I mean, some of the some of the the public schools that were in the state championships, some of those teams are good all the time. Um, You talked about Edwardsville in the entire time I've been an athlete or a coach. I don't remember Edwardsville ever being bad at any sport ever period. So I think, you know, I think it, it just depends. Whereas I could probably name you some private schools that have really never been good at any sports period. So I think it just depends on, you know, the, the money aspect. I think it depends on, you know, if people are doing things correctly or not correctly, And I think another, you know, you both kind of alluded to it, I have no idea sometimes what my freshman class is going to look like, I could have a freshman class of 125 or I can have a freshman class of 80. I I have no idea I don't I don't know the kids that are coming to my school all the time so. I think there there are definitely advantages. I think there are definitely disadvantages. I can see, especially in football, why some people would want that just based on who wins a lot of the times in football. But I also, I wouldn't necessarily say that basketball, maybe girls basketball, boys basketball, it is always the Catholic schools. I, I would say there's a mix of private schools, CPS schools, downstate schools. So I don't know if I would say basketball necessarily has that problem. Uh, but just just some thoughts for me. I don't know if I have the right answer or not, Coach. Right. Um.
1: Just, just one last shout out. You know, yeah. to all, the, all the coaches out there, their significant others, whether they're wives or husbands. Um. My wife was great this year on my run. You know, the last three weeks, I pretty much wasn't not present around the household my thoughts were always with our with our team so huge shout out to all the the coaches significant others and kids that deal with these type of coaching styles that they're able to put everything they can into their programs
2: yes thank you for doing that shout out we we get that shout out a lot and i think it's a very significant one because i don't think i think people think it's hard to be a coach i think people don't realize how hard it is to be a coach's spouse or the children of a coach so thank you for that one um, all right. So we la- want to get into our last segment, which is quick hitters. Um, sometimes coaches is where the wheels fall off. Uh, sometimes these are basketball related. Sometimes as I'm sure you saw in the, the topics we sent you, sometimes they're not basketball related. Yeah. So this is just our chance to have a little fun with our listeners. I'm going to guess our listeners can't see this. But I'm going to guess based on your background. When I ask Cubs or Cardinals, <laughs> what your answer is going to be, but Cubs or Cardinals coach. Cardinals, all the way, Cardinals. Kind of had a feeling based on yeah. listeners. He has a big St. Louis Blues uh thing in the in the background. So. Yes.
0: Uh favorite college basketball team to watch, men or women?
1: My favorite team has always been since I've been little, 95-96 with uh Tony Delk, Scott Pageant, Shepard. Um, I'm a Kentucky Wildcat fan. Uh it's been st- it's been tough the last few years. Um, but I'm a Kentucky Wildcat fan through and through.
0: Yeah, well, that Kentucky's an interesting study now at the transfer portal because you look at some of these teams and, you know, like you got like a team like San Diego State's got a bunch of grown men, absolutely. Just, and Kentucky's coming in with talented freshmen, but it's yeah. it's different with yes the, the transfer portal teams are getting big, strong, strong dudes. So that's yeah. that's an interesting. They might have to pivot a little bit and go a different direction. Uh,
2: All right, so we got, if you're sitting down for a snack, are you going with something spicy, something salty, or something sweet? Most definitely
1: something sweet. I'm not a cake fan, though. I'm more of an ice cream guy or a cookie guy.
2: Do we have a favorite kind of ice cream?
1: Uh,
0: Any, actually. (laughs) Perfect answer. Uh, Thoughts on the state title game location? I know that's all every year there's back, forth, this that you
1: know i'm i'm new i'm too new to it to under to really know or have a thought process on that um i do like that the four uh classes are there at the same time i just wish somehow they could figure out a way not playing the third place game on the same day um that's terrible for those girls and boys um when they got to turn around maybe two or three hours and play a play third place game and i understand they're saying it's for third but they've worked so hard all season to be in the final four that i do think that they should get An opportunity to rest and maybe even prepare a little bit more than that. Um, But I'm okay with the location because it worked out in our favor for one of our players being able to play at Illinois State. Um, And I didn't hear too much about the boys being at Champaign this year. So um, I just really don't have any comments on on whether where it should be or not.
2: And we want to know for our listeners who don't maybe know a lot about O'Fallon, what's like a hidden gem of a place to go or to eat or to hang out in O'Fallon?
1: You're in O'Fallon, you're definitely going to hit up Woods Bakery uh, for donuts in in the morning. And then um, there's a pizza place called uh, Gia's and then a First Street Lounge right here in downtown O'Fallon, kind of fairly new is First Street Lounge, and it's just a great small area to visit.
2: All right, Todd, we gotta go. We were let's go. Let's make a road trip.
0: Uh, all right. So it could be men's or women's, depending on what you've been watching. Uh, NCAA tournament thoughts or prediction, kind of who's left,
1: who's who's gonna win, or something you've noticed in the tournament, like something that stuck out to you. And I knew from the beginning, like there was just no dominant team at, from the start. Um, it was just a different year and it had a different feel. Um, I'm actually excited that there were no blue bloods uh, in the, you know, left after the sweet 16 or in the sweet 16. Um, I have a, I did a unique bracket this year where you pay 20 bucks and then they randomly pull your name and you get a seed. Um, and all four, mm-hmm. I got like two 14s, a 13 and a five and my five San Diego state. So I'm going with them tonight to, to be Creighton. Um, and then the other side, I, uh, I don't know how the distractions haven't, haven't gotten to them, but somehow I think Miami's gonna to take down Texas tonight as well. Um and I would love to see um I think Yukon is the top dog, but I would love to see another team win their first title like we were able to this year at O'Ballan. So whether that's San Diego State or or FAU um or Miami, I'm gonna be pulling for those teams over Yukon. However, I do think Yukon's the real deal.
0: Yeah, they roughed up my Zags last night, but I kind of yeah, I kind of knew that I kind of knew that was I kind of knew that was coming. Uh, Zags don't yeah. have enough guard play to right uh, guard play to, to hang with them. Miami, Miami is really interesting thing because they're spacing. I was watching something the other day. Their spacing and their their shooting create a lot of kind of problems defensively. Yeah. yeah, I
1: mean, being able to make it back to the Elite Eight two years in a row is quite impressive.
0: Yeah, I saw them last year here in Chicago at the uh, Elite 8 they they're they're a good. It's another one of those teams like some grown men like you know big big boy big boy basketball and uh, you know they're also super super skilled as well
2: well coach the state champion O'Fallon coach Nick thank you for jumping on with us today we really appreciate your time and we look forward to catching up with you down the line and seeing what O'Fallon can do in the future
1: hey thank you for recognizing our program and thank you for having me on this morning
2: Thank you for listening to another episode of the After the Timeout podcast in concert with the Illinois Basketball Coaches Association. Please remember to give us a five-star rating wherever you may listen. For more show content and upcoming episodes, follow us on Twitter at After the Timeout and subscribe to our podcast for upcoming episodes. Thank you for listening.